Today on Truths That Transform. You and I were born in a Christian nation that may not be said for your children or grandchildren. The Puritans were critical to the rise of covenantalism and to republicanism and to American freedom at large. Religious liberty is a great privilege that goes back to the founding of our nation, and we need to be bold to defend it. Because liberty is so precious in America, we want you to have a copy of Freedom's Holy Light with a firm reliance on divine providence by Dr. Peter Lilbach. You'll discover the role of God and His providence in the founding of America. We'll send it at no cost or obligation to you. Just call or write to us today and ask for Freedom's Holy Light. This booklet will help you trace the hand of God as the source of our liberty throughout the history of America. Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome to Truths to Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries. Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. We're glad you tuned in today. And we also invite you to connect with us through YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just look for D. James Kennedy Ministries. America will stop to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. You may remember the pilgrims and other early settlers of our nation from school but many don't know much about them beyond what they look like with their buckles and their hats and muskets in their hands. In modern education, these pilgrims and Puritans are even seen as the bad guys. But on today's program, you'll discover how they brought with them the seeds of the entire American system of government with guaranteed rights for all. No matter how controversial it is to say today, America truly was born as a Christian nation, and we owe those settlers who are demonized today our liberty. We begin with a closer look in this preview of a new documentary from Dr. Jerry Newcomb and our Providence Forum called City on a Hill. In 1625, King James I, a persecutor of Christian nonconformists, died. His son, Charles I, ascended to the throne. As bad as James might have been as persecutor, Charles was worse. Within two decades, the religious conflict in England grew so severe that the nation was plunged into civil war. The Puritans, led by an independent, Oliver Cromwell, won and King Charles was beheaded in 1649. Meanwhile, back in 1630, Puritans were leaving England in a great migration that would result eventually in several thousands of them uprooting to the New World, specifically in New England. Thus, the pilgrims had paved the way for this mass uprooting. 
For the most part, these Puritans were not your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. These men and women were among the cream of society. They were the well-educated and the well-to-do, but they were religious nonconformists, and they all cherished the biblical concept of covenant, an agreement for self-government under God. The Puritans were critical to the rise of covenantalism and to republicanism and to American freedom at large. Now you have to say the 17th century was, as historians put it, teeming with freedom. You had the Puritans, yes, but they were, you had the levelers and the ranters and the shakers and the Quakers and the agitators. So they are absolutely decisive in shaping early American freedom. Earlier, when he had studied at Cambridge University, Puritan leader John Winthrop joined with other like-minded students at Cambridge University, made a covenant with each other, committing themselves to God first and then to each other. Winthrop had a sizable estate which he spent to help further the colony. He lost much material goods, but he was committed to the cause. Many were the afflictions of this righteous man. He lost much of his estate in a ship and in a house, quickly after his coming to New England. Besides the prodigious expense of it in the difficulties of his coming here. Cotton Mather. This uprooting from their homes and their wider families must have been traumatic. About 100 or so of the original settlers who created Boston in 1630 decided to return to England after several months. However, the vast majority stayed, even as some of their brethren contended with fatal diseases. Reverend John Winthrop was one of uh, the, the first great Americans. He is the one that talked about um, the shining city on a hill. And this is really important to understand that the American experiment and the idea of self-governance and that objective moral truth is embedded in our society isn't something that just came out of a vacuum or someone woke up with a great idea uh, one day. It was something that came from a long line of understanding biblical truth that has been around eternally. The covenant was all about the reciprocal responsibility of all for all. The rabbis call it the politics of love. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself, and you love the stranger because you were a stranger in Egypt. Of course, it was rediscovered by Calvin, Zwingli, Knox, you know, in Scotland, they call themselves the Covenanters. And the later word Whig, which became a word for freedom, is actually from the Scottish word Whigamore, which was a covenanter. You know, and so in England, Oliver Cromwell in the English Revolution, he says Exodus is the direct parallel of what he's trying to do. And he failed. The Republic in England was short-lived a failure. So it's called, historians, the lost cause. But here's the point. The lost cause in England became the winning cause in New England. So the Mayflower Compact is a covenant, William Bradford. The model of Christian charity on the Arbella from John Winthrop is a covenant. And you can see covenants came not only in the churches in Boston, New England, in the townships and in marriages. And then John Adams describes his written constitution in Massachusetts as a 
covenant. In Connecticut and right throughout New England, the idea of the separatists were very radical. The state of Connecticut calls itself the Constitution State, yet the Constitution was written in Pennsylvania. To understand why, we have to go back to its founding. After disagreeing with the Massachusetts leadership on some points, a splinter group of Puritans decided it best to form their own colony, which they were free to do. So in 1638, under the leadership of Reverend Thomas Hooker, this group left Boston and went to Connecticut to form their own colony. Hooker preached a sermon under a big tree that year. That sermon was based on two verses from Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. Take you wise men and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men and known, and made them heads over you, captains over thousands, and captains over hundreds, and captains over fifties, and captains over tens, and officers among your tribes. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 13 and 15. Early the next year, he and the people of this new colony wrote the first fully developed constitution on American soil. That's why, to this day, Connecticut likes to call itself the Constitution State. We do, for ourselves and our successors, enter into combination and confederation together to maintain the liberty and purity of the gospel of our Lord Jesus, which we now profess, the fundamental orders of Connecticut. The foundation of authority is laid in the free consent of the people that the choice of public magistrates belongs unto the people by God's own allowance. Reverend Thomas Hooker. Reverend Hooker brings his 150 people down to Connecticut and founds this colony. When he does, he uses the Bible. The book of Deuteronomy is the foundation for his constitution. He writes it in 1639. That constitution becomes the foundation for the American constitution in 1787. So the Puritans were the ones who were thinking through liberty. Writing about the fundamental orders of Connecticut two and a half centuries later, one author said of this pivotal document, The fundamental orders of Connecticut mark the beginnings of American democracy, of which Thomas Hooker deserves more than any other man to be called the father. The government of the United States today is in lineal descent more nearly related to that of Connecticut than to that of any of the other 13 colonies. John Fisk. And so when the New England pastors were forming their different communities of Hartford and uh, Exeter, New Hampshire, and um, these different places, they were using this bottom-up form of government, this congregational form of government, not just for their church, but it transitioned to their community government. So we have a direct line where it was the Bible and these pastors that affected the formation of government in New England. And eventually, Connecticut being the constitution state affected our U.S. Constitution, which starts off with we the people. By 1643, the various colonies of New England came together to create the New England Confederation. We all came to these parts of America with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. The New England Confederation, 1643. 
The secular left spends a lot of time these days sounding the alarm on so-called Christian nationalism, a term with no real definition that's often used to marginalize regular Bible-believing Christians. As you've already seen, however, it's the pilgrims and Puritans who came to America from England to found Christian colonies who put the first structures of American liberty in place, many of which still stand today. But if the unbelievers around us don't like that, they're really not going to like this. America is a Christian nation. Dr. D. James Kennedy explains. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the Bible asks, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? There is no doubt that this is indeed a nation which was built upon the foundation of God, that the Lord indeed was the God of this nation, that it was founded upon the principles of God's Word, upon the teachings of Christianity, and for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ. All of that is under enormous attack and has been for the last few decades. In fact, so effective has been that attack that the historical revisionists have all but removed every vestige of our Christian heritage from our textbooks in school. You and I were born in a Christian nation. That may not be said for your children or grandchildren unless we who have received this marvelous patrimony, do something other than let it sift through our fingers like sand because we are engaged simply in personal peace and prosperity, as Dr. Francis Schaeffer used to say. My subject is America, a Christian nation. That is a concept which has been so systematically blotted from the collective memory of this country as to sound in the ears of most people in America to be an alien philosophy, an intrusion of religion into the tranquility of a secular country. There are those in our country today who are busily tearing apart that foundation who would gnash their teeth at the idea that this is a Christian nation and will not be satisfied until they have removed every vestige of our Christian heritage from not only the mines but the monuments of this country. But let's go back to the beginning, to those intrepid pilgrims that set sail from Holland to come to this country after fleeing their native England 12 years before. Their governor for 30 or more years was, of course, William Bradford, who gives us the only history of that period. And before they set sail from Holland, he described their motives in coming. He said they had, quote, a great hope and inward zeal of laying some good foundation or at least to make some way thereunto 
for the propagating and advancing of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in those remote parts of the world. Yea, though they should be but even a stepping stone unto others for the performing of so great a work. That is why they came, said their governor. They came for the propagating and advancing of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ. And after a fearful journey of 66 days without ever being allowed up onto the deck of the Mayflower because of the great gales and storms, they at last sighted the inhospitable shores of a winter New England coast. They harbored there in the bay and before going ashore, they met in the captain's cabin and wrote the first contract of government, or as they would call a covenant, the first constitution of America. Its birth certificate, as it is called, we call it the Mayflower Compact. It begins with these words, in the name of God, amen. That's where America began. And it goes on to say, quote, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. And so they themselves here officially declare and sign that which their governor had said about them before they left Holland, that they came for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That's how America began. Ah, but there are those who don't like to hear that. And surely that must have ended with those first pilgrims. But my friends, it did not. When finally the New England settlements at last got together and they formed their first bond in what is known as the New England Confederation, they said in that that we all came to these parts of America for one and the same end and aim, to advance the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. One and all they came for that end, they declared in the New England Confederation. The documentary evidence is voluminous. It would take hours even to quote it. It was thoroughly studied by the Supreme Court of the United States in 1892. And they gave us what is known then as the Trinity decision. And in that, the Supreme Court of the United States declared, quote, these references add a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a religious people, this is a Christian nation. That is where this nation began. That is the place from which we came. And we are engaged indeed in a great struggle 
testing whether this nation or any nation that believes that men were created by a divine creator and thus endowed with inalienable rights, whether such a nation can long endure. There were in the beginning and there are today those who believe that this which we have received as our patrimony, a nation of freedom and liberty, and only where the Spirit of God is, is there liberty. Those that have been willing to fight and to die for such a country. And if a nation is built on such exalted principles as these, if it was created for such noble purposes as the advancement for the kingdom of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the glory of God, then indeed such, such a nation deserves our sacrifice and our support. America, a Christian nation, demands an equal sacrifice from each of us. Hi, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. As we approach Thanksgiving, I want you to know that we are thankful for you. We truly appreciate your gracious support and your partnership with us in this important ministry. As you've seen on today's program, the Christian faith is the bedrock of America. Without Christianity, America as we know it, with her constitution that protects God-given rights, simply would not exist. Those who try to erase our Christian history and claim that we're a secular nation are actually cutting us off from the foundation of our freedom. That's why it's absolutely imperative that you, your children, and your grandchildren understand our true history and why it matters. On today's program, you saw a portion of the new documentary from our Providence Forum, A City on a Hill. We want to send you the entire documentary on DVD as our thanks for your generous donation to help this ministry continue to broadcast truth and proclaim the gospel. A City on a Hill was produced by Dr. Jerry Newcomb and is part of the Foundation of American Liberty series. It tells the story of the brave Christians who came to the new world to establish, in the words of their leader, John Winthrop, the city upon a hill. That city on a hill became the United States of America, and the Christian influence of those Puritans set America apart, a nation that would become the freest ever known. You'll want to share this compelling DVD program with your children and grandchildren. And if you're able to give a generous gift of $60 or more, we'll send you the DVD plus the fascinating hardcover book, Rediscovering America, How the National Holidays Tell an Amazing Story About Who We Are by Scott Powell. In this book, you'll discover how little-known stories behind the holidays reveal what's needed to revive and save America today. This is history you probably haven't read before with colorful characters and remarkable events. Rediscovering America shows the true uniqueness of America and how the 1619 Project and proponents of critical race theory offer false stories about her that are refuted by the historical truth. Dennis Prager says, 
Read his powerful, inspiring, and concise new book and reaffirm what you always knew, America is an exceptional nation. We'll send you the DVD from Jerry Newcomb and Providence Forum, A City on a Hill, as thanks for your generous donation. And the DVD plus the new hardcover book, Rediscovering America, How the National Holidays Tell an Amazing Story About Who We Are by Scott Powell as thanks for your gift of $60 or more. This ministry depends on the support of those who value God's truth and want to see it spread far and wide. May God bless you as you partner with us. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 877-962-7677, or go online to djkm.org. As we celebrate Thanksgiving this weekend, we owe a great debt of gratitude to the pilgrims and those who settled this nation. It's often forgotten, but America exists because these brave travelers desire to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to our shores and sought to worship the Lord purely at great personal cost. Are we willing to make sacrifices for our children? Are we willing to make sacrifices so that, above all, our kids and grandkids know and love Jesus Christ? America's settlers came here bearing the word of God and the gospel, and they passed it down faithfully to the next generation, who passed it down to the generation after that, and so on. You and I would live in darkness if it weren't for the faithful men and women that have gone before us, who said, we will, by God's grace and for his glory, pass down this great faith to the next generation, no matter the cost. And now it's our time. The baton of faith has been passed to you. What will you do with it? What are you doing with it? Do you realize that a whole new generation is being swept away from the church? 72% of the young people that grow up in the church will walk away from the faith in their freshman year of college, being tempted and lured by the idols and gods of our secular culture. That should deeply convict each of us in a nation settled by people who risk life and limb to come to the new world to bring their children up in the pure gospel. It's time for we Christians to dedicate ourselves to passing the baton. Nothing is more important. That means we have to play defense. We must teach our children and grandchildren to live in the world, but not be of the world. Are we raising them up to understand what it means to live holy and distinct? Are we raising up a generation that understands good from evil and right from wrong? The truth of God's word versus the lies of our culture. Teaching them that means we also play a good offense. That means we have a plan in our homes to teach them to study God's word and apply it. So when they hear a liberal professor in college deconstructing their faith, they're able to say, that's not true and that's not right. They operate with the mind of Christ and have a biblical worldview. My friends, make no mistake. It's in your hands. You are the means. You are the vehicle that passes down faith from one generation to the next. Just as those brave pilgrims we remember on Thanksgiving did for us. 
I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. If you're in South Florida, I'd love for you to join us in person at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale or anytime by live stream at crpc.tv. Thank you for being with us and may you and your family have a blessed and happy Thanksgiving. Here's a look at the next Truths That Transform. It is such a joy to see children, youth, teenagers going out and sharing their faith. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.